I survived the Texas snowpocalypse. Here's what we did to get through it. Hello, everyone. This is the Easier with a Friend podcast, where we help each other through all of life's difficulties, including natural disasters. This is Chi and Elaine. And today we are talking about the big snowstorm and related issues that recently happened in Texas, where my husband and I live. So, yes, it's been a really challenging week this last week. And we figured we were in a unique position to talk about it and all of the struggles we and our friends and family have gone through, because Chi also still has family living here. So Elaine, you want to start with telling us what happened to you and how you guys got through last week. I just want to preface this by saying almost everybody that I know who lived here was not prepared <laughs> for this <laughs> to happen this week. We thought, hey, we may lose a little power. It might be a few hours. But Nick and I were basically without power for roughly about 72 hours, like three entire days. Mm -hmm. And we definitely were not prepared for something like that to happen. Well, first, I think I, I want to touch on what exactly happened with the grid here in Texas. Chi actually has done some research on that. So I'm going to let her tell you all about that real quick. Yeah. So I don't know if, of course, you were out of power and probably conserving your battery and not necessarily reading up on the news that wasn't directly related to your survival this last week. But from what I gathered, the biggest reason why this blackout happened wasn't because of the freeze necessarily, because if you live anywhere else outside of Texas, you know it could get a lot colder than it got in Texas. But the reason why this was such a problem for Texas is that the electrical grid is not winterized in Texas. So it was not able to function doing a freeze versus in other states like Colorado, Iowa, some of the other colder northern states, their wind turbine or their generators are winterized. And so even when the temperature dips, it's still able to continue to generate electricity. Texas, of course, is a southern, usually burning hot state. And so when given the option to winterize the wind turbine and other parts of the electrical grid, they decided that it wasn't a big necessity. And then this happened. <laughs> right. I just want to give you all a quick timeline of kind of what happened to us. Uh, basically, Sunday night, the storm rolls in. And we've all been told, hey, the storm is coming. It's going to freeze. You're going to get snow. And realistically, on Sunday, everyone's just excited because in Texas, when it snows, even a tiny, tiny bit, schools are canceled, work is canceled, everybody gets to stay home. I was excited to make snow angels and <laughs> go out and play in the snow and just all this stuff. So Sunday night, like late, probably about six, seven o'clock, the storm starts coming through. It actually snows like middle of the night. I was so excited. I woke up at 3 a.m., 5 a.m. To, to try to see the snow outside, right? That's how excited I was. And you can see the snow starting to cover the roofs and the yards. And I was just like, it's amazing. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. It's going to be a winter wonderland. And so Monday morning, we wake up about 7.30, I think. And, and we still have power. And I was like, this is great, right? The, the world is covered in snow. 
we still have power. So I'm not freezing my butt off. I was excited too soon because right at about eight o'clock, our power goes out. (laughs) (laughs) And I had not done a single ounce of preparation and call it serendipity. I mean, call it an angel watching over me. Like I, the power goes out and I immediately jump up and I'm like, I'm going to catch a tub full of water. And Nick is actually like, why we are out of power, not water. And I said, yes, but what if the water plants run out of electricity and cannot pump water to our house? I was like, that's why they tell you to catch water in a hurricane. I was like, what's it going to hurt? You know, I have this giant bathtub we don't use. So I filled a tub full of water that first day. And then an hour goes by, two hours go by, and we realize, I don't know when the power is coming back on. What we actually struggled with the first day for my husband and I was that we have these saltwater fish tanks without the power and the electricity. Those guys basically died right away. Like they need to stay at an average temperature somewhere in the seventies and without the power. And as cold as it was outside, our tanks were starting to drop in temperature. So we had to basically put bags of hot water in the tanks. So every hour on the hour, we start changing the water. I call my mother She hasn't had power since Sunday at like 3 a.m. or something. She said she woke up at 3 a.m. and there was already no power. Her condo, because it's older, was already in the 50s by the time I called her that morning. And we actually get power back for like a short amount of time. Like it comes back at something like 1 p.m. And we're like, hallelujah, the power is back. Charge (laughs) all the battery packs. Get the tanks back on the power. Thank goodness the worst is over, right? And we tell my mom, hey, um, how is it going over there? She still has no power. And by, I think, like 2 p.m., where we still have power, her condo is reaching the 40s. And Nick says, we have to go get mom. He's like, we cannot leave her there tonight. God knows if the power is coming back on. And we just don't know. Like, her house is getting so cold. He's like, at the very least, if she's here with us, it, we know that our house is new. It won't drop that quickly, that fast. And we can, Hey, get stuff done for her, whatever. She'll be here with us. And so we depart to go pick up my mother, which normally is a 30 minute drive. And it becomes a one hour plus drive one way because there is so much snow and ice on I-10. So normally on I-10, you drive 70 miles an hour is the speed limit. Mm -hmm. we could go 30. Wow. There were parts of it where we probably went 20 something. But anyway, essentially Monday, we managed to scoop my mother up. By the time we drive all the way home, it is once again dark and there is no power at our house. (laughs) And little did we know that there would be no more power at our house. It doesn't come back even for a minute from that point forward until Wednesday night, basically. And so... Tuesday, we wake up and the water pressure is now starting to be low. We haven't had power all night. We had to wake up every two, three hours during the night to keep trying to keep the tank alive. And I basically am like coming to the realization that if we cannot get our hands on a generator, then something in our house is going to die. Probably the fish, but possibly also the humans. So (laughs) because Honestly, by Monday night, it was getting so cold in the house. I start burning all the burners on our natural gas stove to get heat 
And I said, we have to watch this guys, by the way, listeners, if you're listening, that is not a great idea because if for some reason your stove is not burning at peak efficiency, like it doesn't burn off all the gas, you can give yourself carbon monoxide poisoning, which is what I warned my husband and my mother. I was like, well, we either freeze to death or die of carbon monoxide poisoning, but I'm going to turn these on for a little bit, generate some heat, turn them off. You know, we're just going to have to cycle them so that we don't die. And so Tuesday we wake up and in the middle of the night, I managed to find a generator at uh, Granger. And they're in, an, I think it's because they're usually industrial, like commercial supply. And so first thing in the morning, Granger opens at 7 a.m. I call but they have a call center that's not based here in Texas, right? So she checks her system and she goes, I mean, yeah, it says we have 200 of these generators over at this Granger off of Hempstead Highway. And I said, are we sure? And she goes, well, it seems weird to me too. So hold the line while I check. And she was really good. She called, made sure, yes, they got a shipment late Sunday, I guess right before the storm came in. So no one had been able to pick any up because Monday everyone was frozen in. And so they had them and I could literally pay, reserve one, go pick it up. Nice. And I was like, oh my God, we're saved. (laughs) Like it's literally what I thought Tuesday morning. Our house is a four story, you know, townhome. So the space goes vertically. But because of that, any heat that we generate, let's say on the burners or anything like that goes up the stairs. And so he decides to hang bed sheets basically across the staircase going to the third floor so we can trap whatever heat we have on the second floor. Uh, but effectively, we tented our entire floor. We go to try to pick up this uh, generator and there's, of course, still ice on the roads. And so I tell my mom, I was like, we need to catch another tub of water because the water pressure is low. You need to catch water in every single thing that can hold water here in this kitchen. You need to run it through the Brita filter so we know it's filtered because we, we're going to need to start making drinking water. And so really having my mother here, I feel like helped with survival. I think it's a little bit like that whole, it's a village mentality. Mm-hmm. We had to go get other things to ensure our survival. And she did the menial tasks that ensured our survival. <laughs> and we leave and we get to Granger and they're closed. Even though she had called and said she made sure they were open, they weren't and we're screwed. So then luckily on the way home, there was an O'Reilly Auto Parts open, like right there on Hempstead Highway in Houston. And we stop in, he has a generator at a different store, but near our house. And so we managed to go pick up a really tiny, like Nick said, this is the smallest generator I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) But it was enough to run at least our fish tanks. So we come home, we plug the fish tanks in, And we had told our next door neighbor, actually, I had told all of our, like my friends who lived anywhere near this area, that Granger had generators if they needed one, right? So we had told our next door neighbor and he called us and was like, hey, I'm going out there. They're open now. It was like the afternoon by now. It was like 2 p.m. So we go back out to Granger. Luckily, he has an SUV because the generator at Granger, which is huge, does not even fit into our car. So he carries both of them home for us. We set up our generators. And so by Tuesday afternoon, by the way, the water goes out at 1 p.m. So after Tuesday at 1 p.m., we also have no water, no electricity, no water. But I'm feeling much better about our survival because now we can plug in like an actual space heater. We can plug in the 
fish. We can actually plug in the fridge because the, the new generator is so much bigger. Oh, the area is starting to run out of gas because everybody is looking to buy gas for their generators. And we managed to Wednesday morning, we drove around a couple of big gas stations all out of gas. And we find this really tiny ratty little gas station right by our house. And I said, there's an open sign. There's gas at this tiny little gas station. And I have to tell you, I will be forever grateful because we pull in there to get gas. No one was waiting at the pumps yet. And I also saw this guy come out from the inside with a case of water. And I said, get in there and get us some water. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick goes in there, gets us two cases of water and then a whole slew of junk food. And this is also something which I find funny that happened during the storm is that everyone I talked to wanted junk food because I think stress eating, everyone was, was stressed about the lack of water and electricity. It was freezing cold and everyone wanted to stress eat. But anyway, so, uh, and, but I'm feeling pretty good about survival by Wednesday because we had a generator. Now we've caught all this water. We found more water. Um, and I felt like we were going to have enough to get through everything. When did you get your water back? Not until Thursday, 5 p.m. maybe, where we start getting a trickle of water back. And I said, catch it for the toilets because, you know, there was no water to, f- to flush or anything. Thank God for the water I caught in the tubs because that's what we had been using to flush, to shower, which is funny. So our shower schedule was like Monday night. We actually take a shower because Tuesday is when the water goes out. I didn't realize it'd be my last shower for the week or else I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Right. And then, so Thursday morning we get our power back. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically our four day ordeal. And thankfully after the power came back officially, it hasn't gone out since, even though they warned us, they might still do rolling blackouts, but today it's 70 degrees in Texas. So I'm hoping it's the worst is over. Yeah, so I, of course, watched this happen from afar because I, for the last year and a half, been living in Colorado. And like Elaine said earlier, I still have family and lots of friends who live in Texas. I felt so guilty just taking a shower. I felt guilty (laughs) having internet and phone and my house was warm and normal, like nothing happened. Everything was just going on in my world like it always has. I was turning off the lights in my house. I was conserving water as if it was going to somehow help Texas because I just felt so guilty. <laughs> really just interesting to see all the pictures, what was coming through. People were taking stuff out of the refrigerators and moving it to the garage because that was now colder than the refrigerator. <laughs> Yeah, but very similar to what Elaine described is what happened with my family. My brother and my sister lost power pretty much immediately as soon as the storm hit. My sister probably for the first time turned on her fireplace, which isn't something that every Texas house has. <laughs> Apparently, it got so cold that her fireplace gave out. Like uh, even Dang. the fireplace in Texas cannot <laughs> stand the cold <laughs> because this is not is I'm not designed for this kind of thing. I'm designed as a decoration. <laughs> But yeah, luckily my parents did not lose power for a long while. They actually were able to keep their house warm through a lot of it. You know, my dad is one of those guys. He is prepared for anything. He's got his water. He's got 
a generator. And so I think that made me a little bit less worried. My brother and sister were there too. So that's always nice when you have family, like Elaine's mom was able to come over to her house and work together to survive. Even from afar, it got me to think a lot about emergency preparedness, especially for my situation here. We are here by ourselves. We haven't really made a lot of new friends that we could say, hey, I could turn to them. If anything happened, I could run to their house if my electricity went out. So plan one is to make new friends. And then <laughs> <laughs> the second part of the plan, what can we do to prepare? What are you guys thinking of doing? Oh my gosh, we have talked so much about this because we were so unprepared. I just wasn't thinking it this it could ever get this bad. Our electrical grid is much more prepared for a summer storm than a winter storm. So you don't aren't usually out of power for quite as long as it was this time. I will never take water for granted again. I think that uh from here on out when some when they're like prepare, I will prepare in terms of water. <laughs> Every tub in my household Everything that can hold drinking water will be filled prior to the storm. We have talked about getting a whole house, either generator or a solar system. We've decided that it's a necessity. In future, I will probably prepare a lot more food, non-perishable items. The thing is, we don't eat that much non-perishable food items like out of cans and things like that. And the reason I don't like to buy them is because then I think they'll just sit until they expire. But I've told myself, fine, I'll buy them. And then I can always donate them if I'm not going to use them after the storm. Yeah. So when my sister told me that there had been a uh, notice put out to boil your water, I immediately told them, you guys need to get a Berkey water filter. So mm. we recently purchased one. It doesn't need electricity or anything to function. It's a countertop unit where you can just put water, any water in, and it will filter out even viruses, small particles, different kind of things. This is not a sponsored episode. <laughs> Berkey did not pay me to say this. So Tony and I discussed that we have this Berkey water filter. So essentially there's a stream that's probably about a five minute walks from my house right now. And this Berkey water filter is designed for people to go camping so that they can take water in nature, filter it and make it safe right. to drink. And so we could do that for water. We also talked about some kind of solar system. Our house does not have a solar panel right now. Getting a, a smaller system, just enough so that we can at least charge our phones or something like that. You know, even if we're not getting like a whole house solar panel system. I did look into van conversions, <laughs> people who live out of the vans. And, <laughs> and they, of course, they have to be off grid because it's a van, it's a moving vehicle. And so we live in Colorado. So camping is always something that we love to, to try to do. And so having um, a solar panel and, and battery system, something that's portable that you can put in a car or a van and take camping or use it in emergency. You already have a generator now. I'm considering maybe I should get a small one for just in case. If my little solar power unit failed, then at least I have the generator. And maybe that generator is powerful enough to power my space heater for my kids. And the food preparedness thing, I agree with you. There are food that we don't necessarily eat all the time, but it's probably a good idea to just have a little bit in stock just in case. And I think your idea of cycle out maybe every, every year or so, go through your inventory, donate it before it expires, and then get a fresh batch. But it's just to be prepared. 
But I actually wanted to throw one more item in that I hadn't thought about. You have mentioned you have a stream within a pretty close distance to your house, but not everybody is lucky enough to live near a natural body of water. <laughs> so yeah, the I think the Berkey is a great idea. We actually have a, a life straw, which is this product that I had also purchased. It had rave reviews on Amazon. I bought it for camping, but it's essentially the same thing. It filters out viruses, microbes, you name it, right? But it's a straw, like it's a super giant straw and you just stick it in a stream and you can just suck the water out of it. So it's really intended for hikers and things like that. But I had really thought that if push comes to shove, you know, if the water coming out of the taps is dirty, we can definitely use the life straw. I just wasn't prepared for there to be no water period coming out of any of our taps. Like once it shut off on Tuesday, there wasn't a drop of water coming out of any of the faucets. So, and I think that's something that's a little harder to prepare for. So definitely when you get a notice, fill your tubs. I don't always have bottled water. I don't buy it normally, but if we have some frozen in the freezer, first of all, if you ever go camping, use kind of like ice packs. But also it's good to have just in case there's an emergency, then you do have some water, just you're not like completely without. Um, so yeah, but you know, we really tried to keep the podcast light today. You know, on a somber note, I think even with everything going on, nearly everyone that I've spoken to feels really, really, really lucky. I mean, compared to some of the other people that have really suffered here in Texas, because there are families who have literally lost family members um, due to the cold and the snow and just all of this stuff. If you are looking to help, if you're looking to donate, Texas could really use your help right now. And if anyone is interested, please send us an email so we can send you a list of viable charities here in Texas. So I think that's it for, for today on Easier with a Friend. Thank you, everybody, as always, for tuning in. We'd like to remind everyone, if you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, maybe take this time to reach out to a friend and catch up. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any new episodes. Follow us on Instagram at Easier with a Friend, on our Facebook page, Easier with a Friend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com.